0: This is Irish Illustrated Insider. It is Thursday, December 16th, the day after the start of the early signing period. period. Notre Dame signs 21 players. I'm Tim Priester with Tim O'Malley, Pete Sampson from The Athletic. Special guest today, Kevin Sinclair from Irish Illustrated to talk a little bit of recruiting here in segment one. And Kevin, I'm going to I'm going to throw it over to you and just kind of give uh and i know your rankings because i went through them uh yours and and tom loy's and tim O'Malley's and combined them last night and it's a story today um but just your general thoughts of of and i know we talked about you know the overwhelming sentiment being expressed here is about the guys that were lost by Notre dame but Uh, The 21 guys that were on the list yesterday all signed with Notre Dame, and that wasn't the case for a lot of schools that lost their head coach.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, we talked about it a few days ago, and then I circled back to it this morning, you know, the day after the early signing period um, to look at the handful of schools that lost their head coach. So, for instance, uh, Oklahoma lost 11 commitments, right, and there was a handful of five stars in there. The rest were all four-star recruits. Um, Florida lost nine commitments. TCU lost nine. Uh, Oregon lost eight. Um, and then for each one of those schools I just mentioned, um, unlike Notre Dame, um, anywhere from one to five of those commits didn't sign yesterday. Right. So you look at Notre Dame, they lost three D commitments compared to eleven, nine, eight. I mean, that's drastically lower. Um, and all 21 of their commits signed yesterday. Now, you can also say in this kind of cherry picking a little bit, but of those three D commitments, I think it's fair to say morion Walker and CJ Williams really had kind of one foot out the door long before Brian Kelly left, anyhow, right? Now, that might be true for some of those D commits from the other programs, but I'm sure it wasn't all 11 at Oklahoma um, who left after Lincoln Riley. So Notre Dame, you know, definitely did a, a really good job of retaining those uh, commits, you know, just losing a few you know, of course, it's really difficult um, that two uh, were wide receivers, right? Wide receiver was really important in this class. They signed a really good wide receivers class last year, of course, so that takes a bit of the sting out of it, but Notre Dame's, you know, upperclassman unit is very thin. They'd have to get, you know, fifth-year guys back just to sort of, um, you know, put together a two-deep, it almost feels like, so difficult situation there. Aside from that, you know, I think that, you know, defensively, they really needed to do well in the front seven. And, and I'm myself, I'm very, very high on Aiden Gobyra. I think they got a darn good edge rusher there, Tyson Ford, um, best linebackers class in the country. I just think that that, that unit, I feel like, is going to live up to a hype. Now, losing Devin Moore hurts the defensive backfield. We kind of look at, you know, they signed, I believe it was nine defensive backs in total over two classes. So <laughs> he'll be okay there as well. Um, and then offensively, I just think that you know that tight ends class. I think Eli Raritan. Um, I definitely buy into the the hype there. I think, you know, he's a guy who's probably going to play early, and he's he's dynamic, of course. And then Judarian Price. Last cycle, I uh, labeled Logan Diggs, the most kind of underrated, under hyped recruit, the biggest riser as a senior. Those types of components, and I think Price might be that guy as well this year. So. Um, Notre Dame, you know, may have underwhelmed at wide receiver and quarterback, and that hurts. And those must be top priorities next cycle. But given all the circumstances, almost like last year, not being able to have visits, Notre Dame was sort of handicapped once again by losing its head coach, but of course they did a fantastic job retaining it. And you can um, gauge that by looking at the other programs that lost their head coach and the fallout that they saw.
0: We were asked, I was just asked on a message board. I just responded to it. Where did you guys, uh, and I had your sheets, and we had to redo them twice. Uh, where did you guys have Tim O'Malley jump in here on this as well, CJ Williams and and Devin Moore ranked yeah, within the class, for whatever had, that's well, worth. That's
2: Yeah, yeah. I had uh, <laughs> Williams four, so it was between Raritan and Meriwether, and I had Moore ten after uh, Gobira Shrouth, and I had a junior. Be
1: yeah, for myself, I had uh, similar to you, Tim. Uh, I had CJ Williams at four and Devin Moore at eleven,
0: and I had Williams at two and Moore at eight. I mean, they're both good players. And again, you know, this, it, you know when we rank them, I and I think we're, we we may change the format next year because I'm not sure the value in in ranking players amongst your you know, within your own class. But I thought Williams was a guy that could impact the receiving core from day one. uh, And, and I thought more was, was the best of those, those DBs. So that was huge. We all had, we all had a Maury and Walker ranked down much further. Uh yeah. and, and with him, and I wrote this in today's Thursday thoughts, it was, it's more of a numbers losing him, how you did. And because of the numbers situation at, at wide receiver, it, it, you know, that's the reaction to it more than it is this is a guy that was going to be a great football player he may he has length and he can do some things and, and, uh, and he'll has have opportunities his as, as his new stop or the, the team they chose to sign with but Kevin while we have you here in segment one, uh, I want to ask you about a couple guys that you had ranked uh, a little bit higher than some of some of uh, uh, among Tim Tom and, and myself. You had Joey Tenona number seven on your list. Can you speak mm-hmm. uh, with regard to him?
1: Yeah. So, with Joey Tenona, um, you know, I think for, for one thing, sometimes when guys commit really, really early, as he did, um, you know, people could not necessarily forget about them, but, the, you know, the hype always wears off, right? At some point. Anyway, talking like a year and a half after he committed, there's some components of him that are forgotten. But for me, um, was already very high on him. Um, and I did a lot of reporting on him. I know his head coach stopped current turnquist. But when I, I watched, what I did was I watched all his playoff games this year. So those are just weeks ago. And I watched him play against uh, cathedral of Indianapolis. And, you know, they have this big Kendrick Gilbert. Notre Dame's actually recruiting him. He's about, I don't know, he looks like he's about 280 pounds at 6'4", 6'5". Um, and he was, um, you know, had three-man fronts. He was up on Tenona And Tenona just just buried him, just erased him um, in the passing game completely stonewalled him. And I'm talking every snap. And then in the running game, whether it was, he was lined up against Gilbert or another defensive end with size, who was a D one guy. He was really a body mover there. He was uh, dominating and it was so consistent. Right. And I, you know, I watched the other offensive linemen as well. I've seen Shrouth. Shrouth really didn't, he plays against quite poor competition. Um, We'll find out more about him in the old American bowl, but when I look at the whole body of work, you know, he bench presses 400 pounds, his technique, his strength, and how consistent he was against D1 and power five bound defensive linemen. He was dominant. So, yeah, I had him ranked quite high.
0: And, O'Malley, you had Tyson Ford uh, higher than, than the other three. You had him number five. What do you like about him?
1: Well, I think we
2: we tend to, and I believe I wrote this um in my review is we, we tend to see the pass rusher right away. And I like go and we always, we tend to see a pass rusher and immediately value him more so than the strong side end that develops into a guy that plays strong side end shifts inside, like Byron or Jason can, Adam can do in the, in the packages. And I also, when you mentioned the uh, how we may have to tweak this in the future, like I have Tyson Ford going to Mike Elston. So Tyson Ford gets a bump up one or two spots for him right. he's going to be coached yeah. by Mike Elston. Yeah. I, mean, yeah, I don't know if Tyson Ford's a better prospect than Shrouth or somebody else, but I know who the defensive line yeah. coach is for Tyson Ford. And yeah. I like what he said yesterday, Elston, <laughs> when he said that Tyson Ford's a sponge that wants to watch film with him all day long. like, All right, well, I appreciate my ranking at this point. So we'll yeah,
0: yeah. Pete, do you have somebody that that maybe is ranked a little bit uh lower by 24-7 sports or whoever uh that that you have higher on, on the list?
3: I, I like Gobert quite a bit, um, and I guess Kevin and I have talked about that previously, that he, to me, seemed like that was a, a really good value take for Notre Dame early on. I think they got sort of ahead of the game with him. Um, so that that would be probably the guy on my list that most – and I would say like C.J. Williams, I, I liked him. I think he's a really good player. I hope that Notre Dame fans don't feel like Golden Tate just walked out the door. Um, you know, he's, I thought he was like a Avery Davis plus kind of player. Um, you know, a slot stronger than Davis earlier in his career, but not, not somebody who was a burner. That's that is for certain.
0: Yeah. I I mean, I agree about the, the flat out speed and burner stuff, but I, I don't know if this is an exact comparison, but I mean, I looked at CJ Williams as a volume receiver guy. It's going to be like a Raymond McKnight and just pile up Mm. receptions. You know, I think he's very strong. I know there's talk about, you know, great speed and separation, but I just love the way he, you know, the way he played the game, the way he plays the game with a ton of confidence and, um, maybe,
3: you know, TJ T. Jones, maybe somewhere between Davis and TJ Jones, okay. like does everything well, but like, is he going to do anything, just going to blow you away? I'm, I don't know about his strength, but is that that's the, very rarely do you, you look at receivers and they're like, all right, the strength is actually the best part of his game. But that, that's true with CJ. Yeah, it's going to be I interesting would, to sort of see how he develops.
0: I would agree with that. Billy Stroth was a guy that I had rated very high. Uh, and Kevin, you made the point about competition, and, and that's important. And I try to take that in consideration, but I've always been always studying film. You know, you, there's a lot of guys that we study that face poor competition, and um, I just love everything about him. He's a knee bender. He's powerful. He's relentless. He's aggressive. I think he's going to be a great offensive lineman for Notre Dame, but Notre Dame thinks Ty Chan is going to be a great offensive lineman. And, 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 and you know, Ashton Craig showed some things his senior year. I mean, that is a big mobile, Kevin, I think you mentioned, you know, n- no bad weight on him. He, he, he can mm-hmm. move really, really well. I think that offensive line is a really good group. And I, you know, I understand focusing on, on the losses, especially when they all come a- at the end of the process, but um, yeah, I think it's a very good class. And there's certainly reason to believe with Marcus Freeman at the, the head of this, uh, that when he has a full year, a full cycle, and he's not going to lose players like that. And he's going to get the wide receivers that they need and they need wide receivers now. Now, you know, if you get the veterans to come back, which it looks like there's a pretty good chance of that, um, you know, you're fine for 2022. And as you mentioned, Kevin, they did sign a good class last year at receiver. I mean, Coles, is going to be good. Styles is already good. They like Jaden Thomas a lot. Uh, and every mm-hmm. time we've seen him briefly, he's looked pretty darn good. So, You know, and then, you, of course, you have the transfer portal where they're going to go into. So um, I understand a disappointment. I think it's a really good class. The linebackers are really good. The offensive linemen are really good. Uh, I like Jadarian Price. Um, You know, I think the defensive ends, uh, again, going back to you, O'Malley, on that, if they're coached by Mike Elston, and we do have a question on Mike Elston in segment two. um, We we haven't even mentioned Jalen Snead. Oh, by the way, he's pretty good, too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I interested. I, I thought it was interesting that he was uh hundred ninety eight pounds. Uh, I thought he'd be a little bit bigger than that, but he's a torpedo man, and he's just he's wound tight, and he's a good football player. And ultimately, I decided on him to be number one on my list. And again, you know, the difference between a lot of times on lists like this, the difference between one and six or six and twelve um, is is not that great. O'Malley.
2: I wanna add a question for everybody because Tim, you and I briefly talked about this when I texted you saying how hard this year is to to rank them. Sometimes we all
0: thought all four of us thought it was really sometimes hard. Sometimes you to rank get them. to
2: number nine, you're like, all right, they all they're all average after this. And that was not the case this <laughs> yeah. time. Uh but who is your guy that you, you bumped up like a couple spots where you're doing your rankings, you think you know what you're doing, and you just look and say, you know what, this guy's better at football. I have to move him. Because that's that's what I found tough. I was like, why do I have this guy this low? And I, and I kept looking at it and thinking, i got to move him up. He's going to be a better football player than some of these other players. It, I found it, I did that more this time than any other time. I was just like I, I,
1: I've, I've got one, uh, Nolan Ziegler. You know, he he came one touchdown reception away from beating the all-time Michigan high school state record for most – touchdown receptions in his season. Interesting enough, his teammates said it the year before. But one one play and and a note there is and I'd say at least half his regular season games, he was out of the game by halftime because they were winning by so much. Okay. Right? They, They've had such a big lead. Um had there been a bit more competitive games, I think he would have broke that record. But that just speaks to his athleticism. I mean, you look at look at the kid he's about somewhere around like two oh five to two ten. Um it's worth noting those heightened weight lists on that we saw on Notre Dame's uh, website. You know, some of those might have been taken if you know months ago for all we know, some guys who haven't visited in a while. But anyhow, aside from that, he is absolutely shredded, that kid. I don't think he has an ounce of body fat on him. His body, he's 6'3", He's real long. Um and what's great about him as well as he's former safety and his coverage skills are are very, very good. You know, I think he's gonna be really good on passing downs, but you just sort of pull that together. He's also something I maybe myself didn't report is uh, well enough or enough is he was really kind of like Drew Pine was in 2019 and Blake Fisher was last cycle. He's kind of like a leader of that recruiting class, really rallied all the guys. So there's a maturity component there. There's a, a, a you know, potential future captain component to Ziegler as well. There's just a nice cocktail of, um, you know, attributes about him that, that, you know, make me excited about his future anyhow. And I bumped him up according to some of that.
0: Yeah, you know, four weeks ago, six weeks ago, however long. I mean, you'd say Eli Raritan and would say, "Oh, okay, well, maybe he is a up." And now everybody rates him highly. Yeah, <laughs> he's right. He's outstanding. He count <laughs> so, yeah, no, he really doesn't count anymore. And you know, the the guy that I had the most difficulty, two guys I had the most difficulty rating, and part of it was because of Raritan, was was Holden Stays, who I I really liked the first time I saw his film. Uh, you know, I'd like to see him stay on his feet a little bit more consistently. I couldn't quite move him up as high as I think maybe his potential is. And the other guy that I've been conflicted with is Tai Chan, because I just don't I just don't see the film that matches the rating. But I also know he's six six three hundred and he's an athlete that can bend. And yeah, so, yeah, I can
1: I can uh, t- tell a bit about Tai Chan. He's just never had, he's a very small school, never really had an O-line coach. And it wasn't until just this summer where through the gym he works out at, he got to just start training with a former NFL offensive lineman. And his trainer talked to me, he said after their first session, he said, yeah, well, he is entirely raw and he's got to work on a lot of things. But he's, you know, really, really bright. He's incredibly strong. That's another thing. He is – he might be the strongest kid in the class. He's a, a real dedicated weight room guy. Um, but, yeah, he's really – there's a lot to work with there, but he is very, very, very raw as an offensive lineman.
0: That's very impressed with the way uh, Neo Tui Alamaka changed his body in oh. senior year and became a lot quicker and explosive. And, I mean, a guy that can – I mean, he can come off the edge too if you, if you want to do that. But, I mean, he mainly um, – you know – Blitzed from the, the the middle of the line, and I think he's got a lot of potential too. To, um,
2: that's why I asked the question. Yeah, yeah, that was the guy. Right.
0: Right. Yeah, that was Tim. Tim and, uh, and and Pete, why don't you guys chime in here with this as
3: well? I, mean, I, I don't know how much. One, I, I want to go back to Kevin's point about Ziggler. Is he referenced sort of Joey Tonona being like you know earlier? You kind of forget about him. I mean, Ziggler committed to Clark Lee, so that's. <laughs> that was a long time ago so, and somebody that sort of gets brushed aside with Jalen seed kind of understandably. I mean, I think we, we would all imagine Jalen seed does some things that are really freaking unique. Um, I mean, Emil Wagner is a fascinating prospect to me. Offensive lineman who can dunk, I think are, that's generally a good trait to have. Uh, and then, you know, I, I think Blake Fisher, and Joe all, I mean, the career the career, the freshman year that they've had, how quickly they look like they can play, that it's a it's worth remembering, like that is a huge, huge exception to the rule, and probably not good when somebody does become the exception because it means something is a bit amiss in your your upperclassmen. So I mean, what is you know, Emil Wagner, like we can check back in twenty twenty three on him, um, but if that goes according to plan, you know, again. O'Malley reference Tyson Ford and Mike Elston. Well, Emil Wagner and Matt Bayless is kind of an interesting combination as well. So, where all that goes, I'm I'm incredibly fascinated to see what becomes of that guy because just the way he's built is unlike every other offensive lineman that they have on the roster.
0: Yeah, I, I think Wagner's. I mean, you talk about toolbox. Yeah that that damn toolbox is loaded. Now let's see if he can add the weight and play with you know the 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 demeanor that you know and and he he's a try-hard guy, man. There's no doubt about it, but his toolbox is full. O'Malley?
2: Well, mine was Tui Halamaka because I kept, I pigeonholed him on previous film and everything, and also just with their packages is, well, that's a two-down linebacker. How much can I have him? If he's not covering, you know, if he's not in coverage, how valuable can he be? And then I thought, you know, those two-down linebackers that get 80 tackles and 10 for loss and 25 stuffs are pretty good players, too, in college football. And when you add that he did kind of reshape his body and he can definitely impact the pass rush as a blitzer. He's a, almost a three down linebacker all of a sudden. Yeah. So that's what no, I agree. I pushing him up, in that he
0: cha- The way he changed his body is really, really impressive. Hey, Kevin Sinclair, we appreciate you joining us here today. We'll do it again. Yeah. Come thanks up. very much guys. Have a good day. Segment two coming up, burning up the boards. Looking for a gift for the Notre Dame fan on your holiday shopping list?
2: Help them commemorate their first Notre Dame game or loyalty to the Fighting Irish with the Notre Dame Football Heritage Project Certificate. Your donation, $5 minimum, will help the Araparsegian Medical Research Fund and the Notre Dame Galavan Journalism Program. Visit ndcertificate.com to learn more.
0: Burning up the board, segment two, we start with a question from Brian739. Do you think Eli Raritan could be part of the wide receiver solution in 2022?
2: Part of the passing game solution, possibly, in 2022. Yeah, right? whatever
0: you want to call it. Whatever you, whatever you want to line it, him, it yeah, doesn't really matter. I do
2: think people are trying to, like, move him to W because they missed out on two receivers, and that's not that's not going to be a thing. He'll just be a really – he could be a really good complement to Michael Mayer. The W, you, be, you have Austin, Colsey, and Wilkins, maybe.
0: Yeah.
2: You don't need anybody, right? If if Austin's back, of course. If, if Austin's
0: back. I mean, he may kind of be – You know, I mean, he's taller than Alec Pierce from Cincinnati, but I loved Alec. Alec Pierce, and he's more like six three. But I mean, you could. I I think Raritan's athletic enough that yeah, I call it whatever you want. I mean, nowadays we can say W X and Y. But those guys, you know, Tommy Reese is aligning guys all over the place. So whatever you want to call it, right, right? He can, as you said, he can help in the passing game. What are your thoughts on that, Pete?
3: I I would echo what you said. Like where he aligns, I mean, and they've been doing this before Reese was here. I mean, they. I remember they're you know, bubbling out. Ben Koyak and Troy Nicholas and like it just that's just creative offensive scheme if you have strength at tight end so it's it's Eli Raridan is not going to make up for the poor recruiting at receiver this cycle but he can certainly help your passing game in some unique ways moving forward if he's as good as Notre Dame believes that he is.
2: I think to put a bow on that one, Michael Mayer makes Eli Raridan a really good weapon next year. Because if you just said Eli raridan has got to come in and be the next Michael Mayer and start as a freshman tight end, that's, that's a tough ask. Mayer just seems so polished forever. We were never oh. underrating Michael Mayer, you know? Yeah, now I mean, you have an All-American and a really intriguing freshman.
3: You talked to you talk to Reese about Raridan. He he is quick to make the Tyler Effort comparison. Well, Tyler Effort redshirted. I know he had a back, but like he was a, barely a rotational player on that team. Yeah. Um, so Raritan's going to need time too, which is totally fine. Um, yeah. but the upside there is, is, is up there.
0: Well, and I think you can, he, he has great, he's, he's six, six, his hands are massive. I mean, he has an absolute, his catch radius is off the chart. And so, okay. Maybe he's not as polished here or there, but as a pass catcher, I don't see why he can't come in and make a, contribution although i thought the same thing about deon coles and he caught two or three passes so we know we know how that is but if you have a shortage and you don't have kevin austin returning or you know whoever uh, i i think that's an option within the passing game wherever you align him question from old wind pants which commit from each side of the ball is the earliest contributor in your opinion we may have already answered that on offense did we already answer that on offense?
2: I think so. Um, You know, I will go out there and say a guy like Price could still be a high-level contributor on offense. Because you say, okay, well, he's fourth. Well, running backs get hurt. Now he's third. Don't they? <laughs> number, I feel number like Price Do- missed the year, basically, this year in Chris I- Tyree, right?
3: I'm sort of of the mindset that Price is more likely to contribute early than Merriweather, despite the positional numbers being what they are, just because, I mean, Merriweather is lean. And assuming like, guys are coming he, back, too, right? Yeah. yeah. he's. I mean, he's not just lean, he's, he's skinny. So, like, that that would probably take some time in the weight room. Um, Price, I think, is probably a little bit more ready to go. But I don't, I mean... It's got to be one of those tight ends on offense.
0: Yeah, I would and, think yeah. so. And then Rare defensively, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, they need corners to emerge. And, and Mick, you yeah. know, Jaden Mickey, Jaden Mickey played against tremendous competition right. and more than held his own. And we all like uh, Pete. I'm not sure how you feel about Benjamin Morrison, but we've we've been really high on uh, on what he can do. I think maybe on the defensive side, maybe. I don't know. I guess it depends if Fosky comes back, which I which we think that he will. But I, I'm I'm gonna say on a defensive side, one of those two corners.
2: I mean, this is clearly a better question. It's fun now, but it's clearly an accurate question to ask in mid-January because we'll know something. Like one of the corners might really have to play, but if Bracy, Lewis and Hart are all back, all you need is one of four redshirt freshmen to emerge, and then that buries a fresh but buries Mickey, right? That's kind of uh,
3: I mean Jalen Cine be- is Jalen Seed is doing early enrollment. He's the highest yeah. rated player in the class. He yeah. is a he is the ultimate, like, that's my guy from Marcus Freeman. I think he will be given every opportunity to get on the yeah. field and
0: make an impact. I don't know packages though He's- where that yeah, yeah, it would be a package situation. Yeah. yeah. And just to to follow up on my talk about the the cornerbacks, Jaden Mickey is one of the guys that that will be um entering early. So okay. They'll give them an opportunity. We have a question about that that we will answer here uh, shortly. Okay. In fact, why don't you go ahead and jump ahead to that, Tim, and I'll okay. answer it for everybody?
2: Gabe Frucci, who are the 12 early enrollees in this 22 class?
0: There are five on offense, there are seven on defense. I don't expect that to change, but my and Mike Elston did say on Wednesday that, that there would be 12 on offense. It's uh Angeli at quarterback. It's Price at running back, which would speak to what you guys are saying about an early contribution there. And then three offensive linemen, Schroth, Tonona, and Wagner on the defensive side of the ball. You have uh two defensive linemen, Gobaira which I just learned how to pronounce his name yesterday, apparently, and Ford. And then you have linebacker Sneed, Burnham, Ziegler, Tui Alamaca. So all four of them. All four. And then Mickey, Mickey, a corner. So uh, I think we can expect double-digit early enrollees from now until whenever, right? I mean, they're going to, especially with Freeman. Freeman's going to is going to encourage those guys. I mean, those are going to be guys that are gonna, going to want to come in early and play for Marcus Freeman and Notre Dame. So that's the group. Jumping to back to DLKLL01. Decal one 0- Zero one. With the lack of depth at wide receiver, does Notre Dame go after a guy like Reggie Florima or Xavion Bradshaw? Uh, I think I wrote that in for you guys. I don't know if you know what their situation is, but Florima verbally committed to Northwestern. I didn't see anything about signing. He may have done that since I typed this out. And then Bradshaw uh, will, will not sign until February, and apparently it'll be Virginia Tech or Vanderbilt.
3: I, I'm not sure that I would limit it to, to those guys. Right. Um, that um, There's a receiver that committed to IU from Indianapolis who didn't sign yesterday, I believe. Um, you know, not somebody that Notre Dame has evaluated that strongly, but I mean, I, I talked to somebody in the Goog about this on Sunday night, and I basically was like, all right, well, what happens if C.J. Williams and Amorian Locker leave? And there wasn't much of a sense of like, okay, here are the next two or three guys would be in on. Um, I didn't get the sense that there were sort of like plan B options out there, which is again, this is this is part of the the issue with Notre Dame's recruiting at that spot. Like there there wasn't a if a then b scenario. So I I think I'd be option one, get Kevin Austin, Avery Davis, and Braden Lindsey to come back. Option two is probably grad transfer. And option three, I think, would be to go for a high school prospect that you you don't really know anything about.
2: I think you're doing option one, two, and three. All of them are needed. They have eight guys back if all four fifth-year and sixth-year guys come back. Wilkins, Lindsey, Austin, and Davis. Now, Wilkins would have no reason to leave. Lindsey would have to make a poor decision to leave. Austin, we've talked about his poor decision versus maybe – ready to move on in life and then davis has to decide if he wants a sixth year i i would think we'd trend that way but without them without those four doomsday you have styles colsey thomas and merriweather as scholarship wide receivers on the notre dame football team because you have one from 2019 2020 and 2022 on your roster merriweather one receiver three classes
0: yeah, so you have to remain open minded, but between oh, now and February, yes, you know, absolutely. of course. Uh, but you need at least one grad transfer and probably two.
2: Yeah, and if uh, you get one grad transfer and one, one more fresh. right? I, if, uh, yeah,
0: yeah. If Austin returns. You know, I mean, those kind, of, those kind of things. Uh, Davis, I'm sure is probably going to return. He's a, he doesn't have anything. I mean, he's in. He's got a rehab now. So Tim, go ahead and jump back. I skipped a question there.
2: He's almost in the forced to return, unfortunately, situation that. But- just guys don't want to come back for six years usually, but he's
0: pretty much there. Well, he wants to play in the NFL, and that's, that's yeah. the only <laughs> opportunity. Yeah.
2: Washington, D, considering the Amorian Walker situation, does Notre Dame need to go back to a if-you're-looking, we're-looking policy? It's pretty embarrassing to get duped again, just like they were duped by McGregor two years ago and be left with a one-person wide receiver class.
0: Well, they were duped by the family of the recruit himself, which, they, I mean, they're the ones that should bear the most embarrassment, but we don't know, we don't know them personally, so I guess – you know, Notre Dame is the one that, that that's embarrassed and duped here. Um, I don't think you can do that. The if you're looking, we're looking policy. I I mean, I just don't, you know, especially with the way Marcus Freeman intends to recruit and everything is player centric. And I'm not sure that they're of the mindset to, to go back to that that line of thinking. I don't I don't really think that you can at well, this I would,
3: point. I would change the policy to we're looking. Like you should always be looking, and I think that was where Notre Dame sort of got caught flat footed is like they didn't expand the net outwards. Like, you know, last year they, they were all in on Will Shipley and then they lost him, but then they still had some counter moves to make later. Ultimately, that gets them Logan Diggs and Audrey Estime. Like, this, this that was not the case of receiver. Um, right. And look and so at, the, look at those
0: two guys. I mean, Diggs and Estime. If if you can find yeah. running backs, I like guess you can probably find a couple of receivers too, right? Although, oh, you
3: definitely can find a couple of receivers. Yeah. I mean that's that. It just it feels like it was not organized, Um, and like for whatever the Walker situation was with the family and being duped, like it's your job as a recruiter not to be duped. No like, doubt, you have to read that room, and I think that was where that was another place where Notre Dame struggled this cycle is reading the room. No
0: doubt, but you have to be sure about who you grab now you know, Jay Brunel was one of those situations where he was going to be a walk on. And then who was the big receiver Smith that never made the, you know, I, I went up my point being don't just throw scholarships at guys that you hope you, you need to know that those are guys that you think you can develop and be good football players. Otherwise go to the great, go grad transfer route. And then you're just going to have to pile up some wide receivers in next year's recruiting class, which, Marcus Freeman looking at that situation, I have a lot of confidence that ultimately they're going to have a great receiver class next year. That doesn't help you right now, but but it will.
2: And and people are probably listening to this being a little annoyed that we're acting like the receivers are gonna be bad next year. If they all come back, they're fine. They just need depth because you can't have eight wide receivers and have a football season. People don't, I mean, two are gonna get hurt. Right.
3: Yeah, that's what, the, that's what uh, some some right? people have pointed out to me. It's like, well, didn't they have a great class last year? Well, yeah, they did, but they have zero in the two classes above it. It just it's it. You can't run a practice that way. And then, I mean, we saw how many receivers got hurt this year. What if that happens next year? Because football players get hurt in games all the time. <laughs> yes, um, they actually do. And that I mean that doesn't even get to the point of. If you want to score on full strength Clemson in the playoff, if you want to score on Alabama in the playoff, this isn't it's not a question of like can you run a functional practice? Just, do you have guys good enough to do it? Uh, and that that's a whole nother discussion to have.
2: Next uh, round go ahead, Tim. Michael 7258-0901, very personalized moniker. I think Notre Dame <laughs> is naive about the importance of NIL money in recruiting is it time for the endowed coaching positions to spread to the players like the Tim O'Malley quarterback? He will be a dual threat. I promise you in the modern game. (laughs) Otherwise he's not recruited.
0: Pete, I wrote a story on this this morning and I asked questions about it yesterday. Why don't you go ahead and and respond to that? Well, for starters, they already do endow
3: scholarships at Notre Dame. Um, but Notre Dame makes the money off that, not the players themselves. So that's like, someone has already thought of this idea. Um, I nil was inevitable to happen, and the instead of if you want to blame somebody for this, you can blame the NCAA because this was something that was happening and should have happened a long time ago, and instead they fought it and dragged their feet and ushered in this wild yeah, and then west just of threw nil.
0: Then just threw their hands up and yeah. said, "Go ahead."
3: So I don't look. I don't blame any player or barely any coaching staffs for doing what they're doing right now. You know, as Jimbo Fisher said yesterday. NIL was just called, basically, NIL was called something else 10 to 15 years ago, um, but it was still happening. And like you can even see in the Florida state legislature right now, they're trying to amend the NIL law that then allows schools to facilitate NIL deals with players, um, which is like a gray area in states without le- legislation, but prohibited in states with, with legislation. So, I mean, is does Notre Dame have a good NIL plan? I, I think so. They just signed the seventh ranked class in the country and probably and certainly will sign a, a top 10 class next year, too. But, um, it's like it—it it is a tricky, tricky situation. But I, I do not feel sorry for college coaches having to navigate it right now because, spent, well, in part because they're making tens of millions of dollars themselves.
0: Um, I interviewed uh, Jack Swarbrick at the end of August, and uh, you know, we talked about the GLD, GLD Center. They, they ha- have been at the forefront of it. Jack Swarbrick was at the forefront of it. He was in support of it. Um, but some lines are being crossed. Anyway, uh, this was the quote that he gave me in August. He said, what worries me, given the non-regulated nature of it right now, is its impact in recruiting. I think it's going to be a mess. Recruiting this year is going to have some really horrible NIL dimensions to it. We're already hearing rumors of a prospective student athlete whose family will say to you, what's your NIL guarantee? That suggests that someone else gave them an NIL guarantee. And it wasn't, I keep using the term, the spirit of of NIL was to allow, um, you know, players to be sponsored, I guess, for lack of a better word, by local businesses or whoever. Um, we're well past that now, and I don't really know how this is all going to end up. I don't think it's good for college football. It's great for the individual players, fantastic. If it comes at the expense of, of – of, ruining or putting a real big damper on college football I don't care for that trade-off but um, you know I, I, I put I put the game and integrity ahead of the individual needs of the players and the individual needs of the players are being fulfilled now. I just feel like
3: I didn't watch any college football last year and think boy I, I, I just you know Kyle Hamilton I just not enjoying it as much now because he has NIL deals. Like I, I don't I don't think that had much of an impact in the sort of enjoyment of the fan base. Now it does maybe it does in recruiting because you can find a boogeyman over why a player went somewhere and but that's that boogeyman was cheating before and now it's Nil. But it's the whole this whole process is a huge cluster right now. But it was always going to be a huge cluster because of the people who in charge abdicated responsibility to get it organized, to make rules, to work with Congress to set laws. And so now you're going to have to put the toothpaste back in the tube. Um, But I just want my opinion. I think NIL is good overall, but the reasons that it's bad are not the fault of the players at all. It's the fault of the adults who abdicated responsibility of making NIL work and equitable and regulated.
2: Tim underscore Booney CRS. The dust of early signing day has settled and Notre Dame lost two wide receiver commitments and signed only one. Kevin Austin is rumored to be going pro. The sky is falling. He did not say that I did. What does Notre Dame do with wide receiver coach, Dell Alexander?
0: Uh, on December 1st, I wrote a story uh about who would be returning as assistant coaches. And we knew that that was, you know, we knew that that was Reese and it was McNulty and it was, Taylor and it was uh, Elston and O'Leary and Mickens and Notre Dame put out, Hey, these guys are coming back. And they didn't put out, Hey, these guys are coming back as it related to Paulie and Quinn and Alexander. So we have a bowl game coming up and Notre Dame needs a receivers coach. And uh, the appropriate changes will be made upon the conclusion of that bowl game.
3: Right? I agree. It's there's I don't know how you could not make a change at this point. I mean, when when you have the offensive coordinator going talking about, you know, no one wants to be the black sheep or guy not pulling his weight, and they're like, wait a minute, him just signed one receiver uh, in a <laughs> class that needed three or four. It's and your head coach is like, I demand everyone be on their recruiting stuff on the staff. Like that I think it lays it out pretty clearly. And that that is a a big change in how important recruiting is viewed by assistant coaches from where it was under Brian Kelly. I mean, how many times did we talk about like, no, just coach X, like Todd light struggled in recruiting, but Todd light was on staff for a while. Andre Denson struggled in recruiting, but Andre Denson was on staff for a while. I don't, I don't think that that's going to be allowed to go on nearly as long moving forward. Like you're going to have to be good from the jump. And
2: I it, I don't know how much blame there is for the previous classes. Like, no one complained about Alexander when they had Jordan Johnson. Um, and people love Xavier Watts as a prospect. And the 2019 class getting only Cam Hart was a problem because, as we've always pointed out, you need numbers at that position. It was tough to recruit maybe that year because you just brought in five, of course, in 2018. But you still couldn't only end up with Cam Hart. So it is a pattern coming up here. I just had to talk myself into the 2020 class being better when I couldn't even remember that Xavier Watts was the second receiver. Like Jordan Johnson was the prize. Xavier Watts was the steal, supposedly. And Jay Brunel was the addition. Well, it should have been Jordan, Jordan Johnson was the prize. Jordan Johnson part two was the prize. Jordan Johnson part three was the prize. And Xavier Watts was the steal, right? That's what a class is supposed to be when you need wide receivers.
0: Yeah, agreed. And when I was listing the coaches, Nick lazinski is still a possibility as, as, as an assistant uh, for Notre Dame. But, you know, I mean, we've, without, without coming out and saying so-and-so is going to be fired because so-and-so is coaching in a bowl game for crying out loud. I mean, it, it's the, the changes are, the changes are going to be made. Uh, we got a dual question here. Um, both quarterback related, both grad transfer quarterback related one from, Letty092750, would Keaton Slovis from USC be of interest in Notre Dame? He has two years of eligibility remaining. And then uh, Starcevic Frank, do you think the Irish would be interested in Auburn quarterback Bo Nix?
2: I would like an honest, completely off-the-record conversation with Tommy Reese to be able to answer this question, because I want to know what they think of Tyler Buckner if they had to start playing football. At the end of the spring, I realize there's four more months of development there. But is it four more months of development that allows you to be in the playoffs? Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. It's not fair to ask what they think of Tyler Buckner right now. Clearly, he's not ready to lead them to to a win over Ohio State. It's if you watch football, you can tell he can't beat Ohio State. But
0: does Notre Dame? I mean, I agree with you, Tim. But does Notre Dame pull the trigger? It's a you talk about slippery slope. I mean, yeah, you just you recruited Tyler Buckner. You thought he was big time. Everybody said he was big time, and now you you know what what. Yeah, what happened? I, well, okay. What happened? Drew Pine leaves, right? If you,
2: right. I as think, much as he
0: loves Notre Dame, he's.
2: I don't pull the trigger in this situation on Keaton Slovis, Bo Nix or Jack Cohn. Like they had to last year. I certainly pulled the trigger on Justin Fields or somebody of that nature transferring right out of the portal. You don't just say, well, we have Tyler Buckner. We're going to develop him." You go, I want that guy.
0: So who's right. the Justin Fields of... Uh,
2: I don't know if there is one. I'm grad, saying Grad one. transfer.
0: Yeah, I don't think that I there think is one. Notre Dame's point of view on this is
3: they love Tyler Buckner. They think he's the future. There's very little that happened this year that would challenge that idea other than hamstring pull and ankle turn. And they're like, huh, we have a running quarterback who has not been as durable as maybe we would like. Um, and we have a backup quarterback in Drew Pine who we feel like is a good backup can help you get through a game. But For if sure. Tyler Buckner yeah. turns his ankle the week before Clemson, that's not a situation where I think Notre Dame looks at it as like, all right, well, we can go out and win this game now. Um, so they they're, they're definitely open to a grad transfer. I don't know what kind of grad transfer would be interested in coming when, you know, Tyler Buckner's yeah. the guy that, that makes it complicated.
0: It's interesting because quarterback is – I mean, it's just a different animal. It's just a different situation, a different position. And, you know, guy, quarterbacks are transferring so readily now. Well, it's uh, not
2: even now. It's not even now. You transfer or you start for the last 45 years at Notre Dame. You transfer or you start. No one stays. No, nobody. There's never been a quarterback competition where all the guys stayed. They all transfer. Right. It, it's right. gone on for 40 years. Now it's just you wait for a graduate First.
0: but right. now you're down to you're you're down to to three i mean you, you know yeah. your numbers are so limited there there was that there was the time when yeah the number five quarterback transferred right. but you know right, 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 right. nobody has five quarterbacks anymore oh, that's
2: true i uh i we're gonna be talking about this for a long time but why are we so certain that tyler buckner will be a playoff level passer next season
0: I who's I who's certain of
2: you just said that Tyler they love Tyler Buckner they love what they have in Tyler Buckner you have to be able to throw the ball he can't be a running quarterback he can't be Brandon Wimbush
1: well no he's
2: Brandon Wimbush at running the ball I mean Wimbush is a uber runner an all-timer runner he's a better passer I think but he's not now right
0: so then what kind of quarterback, what I'm kind asking, of quarterback know, are you I'm going asking to
2: asking this question? Like, that's why I want to know what they, what they love. They loved. Okay. Pete said nothing that happened this year makes them think less of Tyler Buckner. Didn't something that happened this year make you guys think a little less of Tyler Buckner than you thought of him a year and a half ago. Yeah. Pete, you thought he was the next coming of the, the way he yeah. arm angles and passing. This is not, I mean, I'm not saying he can't become that, but it's, I don't think we're being intellectually honest. If you watch that and get, man, that guy's going to be a really good passer. Look in there.
0: Now I agree. The The problem is you would, you, you would, just, you would like to have a fourth scholarship quarterback, Yes. but who are you're not going to get a guy that's going to come in and expect to back up Tyler Buckner or, or Drew Pine. And, and then I think you, again, it's a different animal. If there's a Justin Fields out there, well then, you know, Tyler Buckner's just going to have to accept it and do what he has to do. But if there isn't that guy, you want to go with Buckner, but now you still only have three quarterbacks.
2: I've spoken to Tyler Buckner. Now I'm extremely impressed with him. I want him to be a great quarterback at Notre Dame. I think he can be a great quarterback at Notre Dame. How in the world are we think that Tyler Buckner is a passer to beat Ohio State right now?
0: I, I, I'm not. I'm not. I. I mean, Notre lo- Well, I mean, Notre Dame may love Tyler Buckner, but they don't necessarily think he's going to walk into Columbus and win. As a first time starter.
3: You, you could in fact put Justin Fields on the team, and I don't think Notre Dame would necessarily walk into Columbus and win that game. <laughs> I, think, yeah.
2: I think they might pull that one off actually. Yeah, but yeah. um yeah, I I don't I don't need to use Ohio State all the time. Is he gonna be will he beat USC? Will he beat – they play terrible teams next year. Will he no. be Clemson? <laughs> I
0: mean will that it's will he beat Marshall? Will he beat UNLV? I mean, he'll beat those teams. I think he'll beat those I teams. Don't,
2: I just I I love what Tyler Buckner could be. I just think it's like, well, Notre name loves with Tyler Buckner.
0: Well, sometimes, sometimes at the quarterback position, you have to make a transition. You lose a starter, and you have to put a yeah. guy in that isn't experienced. And like,
2: would Jack Cones st- start over Tyler Buckner next year?
0: I, I, well, if he was still, if he could still be on the roster, he would. So, that, so that's, I think, I think. That's, I, I, mean, don't know. Unless, I don't I don't unless, know the answer to that. Did Brian Kelly force Tommy Reese to? start Jack Cohn or for Jack Cohn to be his starting quarterback. No. And,
2: and it's unfair for us to say Buckner could have played this year because for the entire summer, we said, this guy hasn't played football in a year. He did miss his entire senior year. Yeah. He, of course he has yeah. a learning curve. I just thought we would see more as a pastor. And I, I don't think I'm alone in that. I just think people. Well, know. That, I know that's I
3: totally reasonable. Like that's that, all I'm saying. He's got but that's like, I I'm looking at it from the point of view of like, did I think I was going to see more from a pastor from Tyler Buckner? Yes. But when you talk to people, do see Tyler Buckner every day they have seen more from him as a passer. so that's sort of that's where I have a little bit more confidence like this is going to actually right we're
0: judging it based upon Tyler Buckner throwing 22 passes or whatever it was 25 passes I mean even some of the even some of the best quarterbacks aren't going to shine the first 25 times they throw the football in it for especially for a team that's contending for the playoffs you know I don't think there's a wrong answer here guys I'm just I'm just just throwing stuff out here. And I think that sometimes you find yourself in a position where, you know what, Tyler Buckner's experience, but we recruit him and we, we like him, we love him, and we got, we're got we going with him.
2: Yeah, no, that I get. I completely get that. I'm just yeah. wondering if they were honest about how well he throws a football right no, now. No, I
0: got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. Uh, MAK 341, what are your thoughts on this offensive line class versus some of the classes in the past?
2: Well, I mean, last year's looks awfully good right now. are <laughs> going by that, right? They have two starters yeah. for the next three years at tackle. But you probably, yeah, like, you, seen you'd Caleb have,
3: Johnson. you like this class better on signing day, though, Though, right? Yeah,
2: yeah, I think you're right. It's hard. You will like them better, in reality, because Joe Alt and Blake Fisher are not, they're starting. Yeah, the year,
3: yeah, years. you have to remember how you felt on signing day last year. And Joe Alt was like, oh, I really like his potential. Not like, well, he's going to start seven games. Um, <laughs>
2: they're going to win the ball. <laughs> yeah.
3: What? <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's everything. Like that's back to back classes
3: is awesome with
0: that. Yeah, coach. it's 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 really good, and I love Schroth, and I think Chan has a, a a lot of ability, and Wagner has a an extreme amount of ability, and like Sinclair said, I mean Tenona is Tenona is when when Tenona does what he did against uh, against quality five star defensive linemen, that's notable, and and uh, Ashton Craig is. Man, his senior film was impressive. He's a big, lean, quick, strong dude. So, I don't know. You know, I, I, with with 39 previous classes for me to comment on, I'm not really good about always differentiating between offensive line classes from uh, 2014 and 11 and 9, but this is a really, really good one. Really Ten good.
2: linemen the last two years. I have a fun game for you. All right. Next season, or 2023. You're not allowed to have a fifth-year starter, so no Corral, no Kristoffic. All right, you can count Carmody and Baker. Who is your starting five? Two years away. You're not allowed to have a veteran. Like your oldest oh. guy is this current freshman class that's already played.
3: So, Fisher and Alt, right? Fisher and Alt are starting. Um, Rocco
0: Spindler is starting.
2: Yeah. Mm. Is Carmody or Baker starting?
0: Well, no. Wait a minute. We're talking about what year? twenty twenty
2: three. Twenty twenty three. They're going to be.
0: Christophe still has eligibility.
2: I'm trying to make it so he's not allowed to be in
0: this conversation. Okay. I don't
3: think Baker is starting. I don't um, think so
0: either. I don't think so either. I would say Schroth. I would. I would. That's kind of what I'm looking at. Who are you? Who are you putting up there
2: in the last two classes? So Schroth.
3: Yeah, I'm just not sure who the center is.
2: Yeah, Christophe probably. But I was trying to play a fun game where there's no fifth year seniors involved gotcha. and stuff like I that. I got gotcha. you. I mean, he probably would yeah. be the center, right? if Patterson comes back and you don't probably, I mean, he's
0: the only, I would imagine, I mean, he's the only guy with any real background among the ones that we're, we're talking about there. So and that background is mainly in spring of 2021 in Notre Dame, but, uh, yeah, you know, it's a, it's a good problem to have. We haven't even mentioned Caleb Johnson. I mean, is Caleb Johnson just not going to, we, we haven't even seen him yet, basically. So, uh, some you know probably a tackle is going to have to move to guard. That's what I was
2: kind of getting at. We right, someone's got to move to guard at this point.
0: Yeah, or, you're or center, or center. Or center, yeah. Tackles Thanks. don't usually move to uh, to guard, but we did see Josh Lugg, a six seven Josh Lugg playing center. So
2: I thought I'd give a you know little pump up for the people listening after I talked about Tyler Buckner not throwing pass
0: as well as a starting quarterback. Yeah, way to go, way to there discourage everybody. Okay. It's Sorry, like man. you, it's like you rating <laughs> Angeli. <laughs> where you did. I mean I don't where I don't know where people expected Angeli to be rated. We 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 where were we going to rate him?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, someone you you rate people who you rate them what if, if I rated Jaden Mickey too low, would that be insulting to Jaden Mickey? <laughs> I had to rate people I rated them.
0: Probably, because uh, he's a pretty well, accomplished corner. He is, and I, I like I, I,
2: you know what? That's why I rated him higher than I than uh, the quarterback because I think he's good.
0: That's like why it. I'm saying that's why I'm saying I think I think we need to like maybe set different parameters for that story like First the, year, guy, the, the yeah w. the guy who yeah. will this the guy who will do that because it's probably because comparing you know an offensive tackle at of number 11 and a quarterback at number 17 I you know right. I don't even know right. what it means but well, I, like to, about, I like to I like I guarantee
2: it, so. we had Jay Bramblet last in 2019 and he's a heck of a lot better than a lot of that class
0: That's very true very true
2: Nick, Nick, 2014. Did Mike Elston's explanation for why he didn't leave Notre Dame, prioritizing family over career opportunities, seem uncommon for an FBS coach? I'm sorry, FBS assistant.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah real uncommon. Real uncommon. When's the last time you heard that? Never. Uh, Never. I don't. What here. Pete? What Pete? I mean, I can't
3: think of a time. Uh, I mean, the circumstances are all is rare, right? Like. I don't think these coaches are anywhere long enough to put down roots for their kids, but in Elston's case, that was true. Um, so I think he definitely had some people in his house were like, no, we, we want to stay. Um, and so he was like, okay, we'll I don't do think that. He,
0: I don't think he had to ask necessarily to find out that they wanted I'm pretty to sure. Stay. Yeah.
3: He knows his own family. <laughs> yeah. Um but in case I believe in case there was some doubt, it was no
0: and was I just want to say um I love it. I mean, God bless him. A, a a family man who cares about his wife and three daughters and what their life would be if if they were uprooted. I mean, can you imagine him moving to Baton Rouge to coach for him to coach D line under Brian well, Kelly? I think it's, it's lame course refer- it would
2: go through the roof, apparently, if you moved to Baton Rouge. <laughs> Doing things with their Social media? Do pack. they not? Do they not. have
0: fencing? Do they have fencing in Baton Rouge? I don't think so.
2: Do they have editors? Maybe They just
3: throw sticks at each other down there. I don't.
2: Do they edit? Do they have social media editors in Baton Rouge? They, hey, they, this might not be the best look, man. I'm I just just spitballing here when I'm watching this back.
0: <laughs> it it no wants to explain like, what you're talking about.
2: Brian Kelly on a stripper pole with a quarterback? I don't know. That was kind of weird to me. <laughs> was, I found it strange. I thought it was odd. But I went to a concert last night at the Morris the more civic auditorium for you long time South Bend people, Uh straight no chaser with my in-laws. And there are a lot of people, The band originated from Bloomington. He opened up by saying, I would like to thank all of you for bringing your families out here today. <laughs> it was really funny. <laughs> and he said something like I do declare later on. It was, it was quite, Oh my funny. God. Yeah. Yeah, and then it ended with they were introducing themselves. To one guy's from Cincinnati, and he goes, "I'm from Cincinnati, Ohio. Some of you know what I'm thinking right now." <laughs> it was pretty good, so it has reached uh, other places. That- well,
0: yeah, and to put a ball on it, I mean, I think I think what Mike Elston did and does and believes in is. Is it's a wonderful. Great thing. It's it's, it's
2: refreshing a, too. I've sent it. I sent his quotes yes. to people today. I think it's, I think it's great. I don't yes, want to make light a, of it at all. I think he, I think it's a great thing and I'm glad that he's a great coach doing it too. Cause if he was a bad yeah. coach,
0: he wouldn't care as much. Right, We're going to end this segment um, with actually, have you guys heard the Nordings playing Oklahoma state in a festival? Uh, so it is a question that, and, and hopefully as we move forward from here, I want to turn my attention back to, well, of course, the, the, the coaching hires, but that's not going to happen. Right. Although, you know what? I mean, I, I mean, it's not going to happen right away, but I, I do think that the offensive line situation will will move pretty quickly here uh, from this point out. Uh, anyway, last question from Denver Maximus: What are your thoughts on how the offensive line scheme will be different without Kyron Williams against Oklahoma State? Will any adjustments need to be made to keep Jack Cohn upright?
2: You know. I mentioned Chris Tyree is, uh, I know we all love Logan Diggs. I do think Chris Tyree is the key to this game. Just they're going to trust him more in these situations. Um, Diggs has a natural ability, I think, to do it. But Tyree's been through it against top teams and now that he's healthy. I think he's going to be in the backfield a lot. And we are just going to find out, man. 54 snacks against a team that couldn't protect anybody for five weeks. We're going to find out how much better this offensive line is. It is, the, the game is right there it's that's that's the bat that's the football game
3: yeah i mean you can pick up blitzes as a way to stop blitzing or you can scheme your way to get the ball out in one second um and where's that ball gonna go probably through running back so that's chris tyree that's logan diggs that's i think that you know keeping and we talk about this all the time with like well, just put a spy on nard Robinson. Like, well, the spy's not gonna be able to tackle him. Um, if you keep Logan Diggs or Chris Tyree into block, there's no guarantee they're gonna be able to block who's coming um because the scheme is so good. So I would be more inclined to like get those guys out and a routes quickly and drill hot routes and blitz reads with your receivers uh for the next two weeks than I would be like, okay, how can you play exactly like Chris Tyree played in a blitz pickup? capacity. I
0: think we I think we see Jack Cohn go back to the month one, two, three throw mode yeah. that they were in when he when he uh you know mid midseason Virginia Tech and then moving forward. But as we got into November and they played worse defenses, they were they had the luxury of being able, to um, you know, maybe take a five-step drop and let some some uh some routes to unfold. The other thing is, you know, you talked about Pete about hot rot, hot routes and things of that nature. Oklahoma state, I don't see a lot of, they press, but I don't see a lot of contact type of press off the snap of the football. So I think you have a little bit of room there to maneuver with your, with your wide receivers. And again, you still need to get the football out quickly, but I think that they can, you know, much, much like Cone did in those uh, against Virginia tech uh, in the second hour, in the fourth quarter, I think they'll be able to get some things to the whiteout. So we'll uh, continue to look at that. I'm looking forward to getting back into uh, some Oklahoma State film. We will come back on Monday, December 20th. And then, not sure what our schedule is after that as we head into the holidays, but for right now, we'll say that Monday, December 20th, we'll be back uh, for Irish Illustrated Insider. For Tim Priester, Tim O'Malley, Kevin Sinclair, and Pete Sampson, we appreciate you joining us today. Thank you for listening to the Irish Illustrated Insider Podcast.
2: If you enjoy our coverage of Notre Dame football, please consider supporting the podcast with a small donation. Go to irishillustrated.com slash support. Your support will help Irish Illustrated continue to be the leader in coverage of Notre Dame athletics.